bullshit, it's all just um gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. I mean, are we gonna die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh uh. This shit is bananas. B A A A A A S. This shit is Trumpanas. T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dumb Gay Pandemic Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we talk about the week in coronavirus politics, like we're talking about reality TV. And things are still going ham, meow, meow. Yes. It's only been two weeks since George Floyd was murdered. Can you believe that? No. It it's feels like it's been like months. two months, Yeah, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And not for nothing, if Dr. Fauci and all the Corona fear monger league is right, <laughs> the hospitals should be overflowing by the end of the week due to all the large gatherings with no social distancing. Mm-hmm. What do we think is going to happen? Um, I have a feeling that the social justice and cultural transformation will be sufficient protection for, oh, for all of the protesters immune system. <laughs> I see. Yes. There's nothing like fighting coronavirus with social justice. You know what? That is interesting. And if that were, if the hospitals don't fill up, then we're going to know. We're going to know. And we're going to be piossed. Piossed. Well, we were already piossed. Oh, I mean. We were already in the, 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 deep in the Reddit yes. fake corona game, honey. So we, we won't even bother being mad. We'll be like, on to the next. We were mad about that six weeks ago. The debt we're going to incur, though. Ugh. California still isn't open. God. So kind of. it's still not open. I don't know. I think lots of places are still partially closed. They are. But who would know? Because we haven't done the research. <laughs> we did get... A lovely gift box and a lovely card. Oh, my God. Well, we got a lovely... Shall I read the card? I think I shall. Yeah, read the card first. From Liz Pills. She says, Hi, Julian Brandy. I only bought this card two months ago, so what a trip. I'm finally getting my shit together and sending. It's a long time coming. I adore you two and have since People's Couch. You've both been a light in the dark, even when you were going through the summer of your feelings. I was too, and it was like a shoulder to lean on. On a break with my boyfriend? Got high and listened. Lost my 14-year-old cousin to a brain tumor? Got high and listened. During COVID, the highs have been high and the lows real low. For some reason, podcasts have been hard to listen to except yours, both. I live for yours and the three hours of laughs I get a week. So thank you. Because of you, I say that bugs without realizing <laughs> and crave Taco Bell like no other. So thanks for that. Ever since you were on Watch Weapons Live as bartenders, I found out about DGP. My life has truly changed. I've up from two to three dollars on the Patreon and will do more when I can. All the best to you both. And let's pray tanning salons open soon since in upstate New York, <laughs> we're still stuck too. love you so much. Love Liz Pills. Well, Thank you, Liz. Our tanning guy, he shaved off his mustache. He has opened. And Julie and I have hit the scene hard. <laughs> Bitch dropped a full 
C note on it. She's like, give me those. We're sharing a membership this time, Ron. Oh, and he was like, I'll give you a couple free ones. I'll give you an accelerator for your disgusting white legs. We'll really do it. And I was like, I'm going to take that accelerator and I'm going to get some more accelerator because the legs are still white. We were just like throwing money around to all of the merchants, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all of the merchants around town, all of the merchants. And Liz, thank you for being a member of the Patreon and for going up to three dollars. You totally don't have to do that, but we appreciate it. We're glad you listen. I have found that listening to podcasts is hard, too, for me. I have found it, too. And I've tried. Believe me, I've like tried to do like real random shit like when i'm cleaning oh I'll god do knows like, you want to listen to history ones and <laughs> learning languages and crap yeah and i can't i just can't yeah which is strange i, I don't know so i feel you i feel you and i'm glad we have not turned her off that's nice that's very nice well we got a gift box from a couple of friends who live in indiana now they didn't go deep enough into how the hell they discovered that they were both um, friends of the podcast. So basically it's Allie McHaley and Mackenzie Goodrich. Okay. So what we're assuming here, you guys, Allie and Mackenzie is that you guys are grown adults who met and Julie and I did a full act out. I'm like, what do you think happened there? Do you think like they, they were somewhere? Cause like, I think maybe Allie might have like a, like a little, like she might have a store mm. or should be, she's some kind of designer, like a jewelry designer right. or something. Mm-hmm. And then Mackenzie comes in and is just like, Something, something about Bravo. Right. Oh, I like Bravo, too. Uh, what are your what shows do you watch? You watch all the Housewives? Oh, I watch all the Housewives, except um, I'm not really in Orange County. Oh, you're not. But I love Vicky Gumbleson. I do, too. I just can't really get into it. Oh, you know what show I really miss? Which one? People's Couch. Oh, my God. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> Me, too. And there you go. Like, oh, did you love the lesbian ones? <laughs> yes. Did you know they have podcasts? Oh, my God. I listen to podcasts. Do you do the Patreon? Yes, I do the Patreon. www.patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics. You too can go and <laughs> sign up and make friends with people at stores just like mm-hmm. that. They never even said they ha- have met at a store. They could have been friends <laughs> since high school. We don't even know. But here's just our imagination. That's how it went. It warmed our hearts. <laughs> so first from this is what Mackenzie wrote. Hey, friends, our love affair kicked off with the people's couch and we've been talking about you like you're my real life BFFs ever since. Thanks for the endless laughs and ridiculous Hanukkah songs. I'm honored and proud being one of the 14 to have finally met a local friend who equally Mm. admires you two and to be surviving money 20 in such style and grace and borderline alcoholism with you. When a customer service person helped me today, I said, I do need your notes, babe. And it totally gave us both joy. Love, Mackenzie. Now, I really appreciate Mackenzie saying that we have borderline alcoholism. (laughs) That was really generous of her. Really generous of her. That is generous. So she sent her picture with her and her family, and they're completely cute, just living their best life with their two dogs that they probably rescued because they look like good people. Uh Uh-huh. Very cute. She has a son and, and a husband and two dogs. Then here's Allie. Okay, Allie McKaylee. They're they're doing it in Indiana. They're doing it. Who knew? Fighting the good Who fight knew? out there in yep. the middle of the country. It's yep. not easy out there, people. It is not easy. Dearest Brandy and Julie, or Meow Meow. Can I call you Meow Meow, please? As one of the <laughs> as one of the original fourteen, I'm embarrassed as fuck to just now be sending you a gift. But I finally found a local friend who loves you both as much as I do, which I didn't think was possible. It's this is them. It's Allie and Mackenzie. I'm telling you. Indiana local friends. 
I fell in love with y'all on the people's couch and will forever stand. Please take this gift as a token of my love and deep appreciation. I made it with my laser printer and I'm so proud of it. And I hope it gets a prominent place in the drug den. This Jew from New Jersey stuck in Indiana <laughs> couldn't survive without the podcast and Patreon. Two dollars. Hey, seriously, I'd be lost without your commentary. The world is burning, but we still have you come to Bloomington, Indiana, and let's do drugs and fuck shit up. <laughs> Eternally yours. Allie McKaylee. The card is covered in clouds and said mm. the world is better with you in it. Thanks for being born. The world is better with you in it. It's a That's really nice. cool card. She sent a picture of her and her dude. She's super, super, super fucking cute. On the back, she wrote, um, it's Allie and Mike McKaylee. Oh, Mike McKaylee. That's very strong. It's strong. It's alliteration. Yeah. It's why Mike is a success and why he got Allie, who's clearly the catch of the century. <laughs> He's not a regular lis listener, but DGP is the only political podcast. He doesn't beg me to turn off, <laughs> but feel free to cut him out if you need room on the bulletin board. I love that. <laughs> Which is why we Sorry, read it. Sorry, Mike. Bye, Mike. Bye, Mike. See you later, Mike. But we might leave him on Allie mm -hmm. because the truth is if we do a show anywhere in the Midwest and you guys make the trop. Right. We want to know that he's there. Well, I'm Mike's going to assume, Mike, if you're listening, <laughs> that you will, ad um, you will accompany. Has to. You, I mean, you just have to. You'd go to the live show. Unless Mackenzie's like, we don't need Mike. It's me and you, girl. We're oh, getting in the car. Like, Girls' night out. <laughs> Ladies' night. Ladies' not out without Mike. <laughs> well, let us know if Mike's going to attend the Midwest show that we're never going to do. Because if he's not, we're fucking cutting his ass out. Allie, all we need is you. All we need is you. Now, we've already thought the cards were great. We dug into the box. And lo oh my God. and motherfucking behold. Like. The record scratched. The world stopped. The protest mic, stopped. The mic fell on the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The protest stopped. All was right in the world for a split second. I can honestly say it is truly one of the, my most favorite gifts I've ever gotten um, ever. I've rarely felt this scene. Us yeah. together, our body of work, <laughs> our priorities. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Um. I have just it's so nailed. I don't know, Allie, what your business is or if you have a storefront. Actually, I do. Your card's here. Let's promote it. OK, so if you are in the greater Indiana uh, vicinity, I would uh, suggest going over to Electroforming Artist Jewelry Workshops, Reiki Master Practitioner, Allie McKaylee, owner and designer, Allie and Tess, LLC. She is at Allie and Tess on Instagram. She is www.allieandtess.com. How do you say and? Is it A-N-D or the and, that and sign? Uh, and A-N-D. So at Allie, A-L-L-I-E-A-N-D-T-E-S-S. -S, Allie and Tess. It's a laser cut wooden Kleenex box. <laughs> Kleenex box. Okay. That's part one. Everybody rise! Everybody rise! On one side... Standing ovation! ...is our logo. Mm -hmm. Meow, meow. Yes. Perfectly Perfect. laser cut out. Perfect. You know who you, know who you should get in touch with, um, Allie, is Jennifer Warhoftik Kalanya. Because she is... 
she's on this this is where she's headed she wants to make these types of like artisan gifts i think she sent us mm. the coasters with the pills she made us the the laser cut j and b okay the next side says what meow, meow the next side says i don't need your notes babe the next side says so there's that and the next side drum roll drugs with adorable pictures of pills a marijuana leaf a straw a razor and a pile of cocaine <laughs> and the pills are exactly I mean, like like jennifer warhoff digs pills that she yes, gave us in the coast exactly like it's it really does make the drugs I, look adorable i face the drugs part toward me for mm. now we've had it here there's actual kleenex box in it mm-hmm. it's in the centerpiece of our drug den oh, yeah. podcast right table. away right away right away and we damn near held each other and shed a tear. It is adorable. It's fun. It's irreverent. It's just us. I don't. She's like me. I'm like, see, you don't have to spend a lot of money to make us happy. Meanwhile, she's like, well, that cost me um, $1,900 in total. And I had to get my printer it fixed took to, two do years it. to do yeah. it. Every laser. I had to go through 17 lasers. You fucking whores. Yeah. I mean. I, I it's it's per, it's perfect it's just perfect so it was a lovely trifecta of liz ally and Mackenzie and their sweet words and yeah. their promotion of the patreon which yeah. is really all this beginning segment is for isn't it ma'am <laughs> all right now it's time for the shitty week in corona guess what biz <laughs> coronavirus coronavirus shit is real shit is getting real shit is real was the most transformational and historic week that any of us have experienced in this country to date and here we are again back in the drug den cuz the beat goes on the beat goes motherfucking on the beat does the beat's got to go on you know it does and um though there's not enough drugs in here the beat is definitely (laughs) going on (laughs) so last week was absolutely fucking bananas but it was so, so, so fucking awesome. Hundreds of thousands of people came together in dozens of cities to protest and demonstrate against police brutality and institutionalized racism in America. And just when everyone thought it was going to slow down and die, it didn't. <laughs> in fact, L.A. saw our biggest crowds yet at the Saturday and Sunday protests. Now, there's a lot going on and it's all sort of happening at once. Um there's Trump and his fucking impotent, embarrassing bullshit. And then there's Congress and their bumbling, tragic ineptitude. And then there's the mayors in each of the major cities who bear the main responsibility of answering to the demonstrators. The quicker the mayors make profound moves, the quicker their cities can get past the fighting and get on with the healing. Yes. I mean, that's Preach. the truth. So this week, all four officers responsible for killing George Floyd um, were charged And that was a major point of the ongoing protests. So now that that has happened, Mm -hmm. the main thing that all of the protests that are still happening and they are still still happening and they're still happening today. The major thing that the protests are doing is they're calling to, quote, defund the police. Okay, right now. 
despite the problematic branding, <laughs> the movement behind defunding the police is not about abolishing police, but more about diverting the excessive amounts of taxpayer money that in many cities like L.A. is not only grossly mismanaged, but also criminally misused and corruptly diverted. That's right. So we all need to do our part to spread the word and spread the truth about what defund the police actually means. Now, otherwise, you know what happens, girl. You know what happens. The Troll Patrol on Twitter and Facebook will destroy any chances for the movement to actually affect change, much like they did with Black Lives Matter and Colin Kaepernick in the NFL. The agenda of football players kneeling during the national anthem was twisted and distorted on social media by the Russia-China-Iran troll patrol until they shamed everyone who had ever known a veteran into screaming about the American flag and patriotism. It was fucking bullshit and fucking gross, but it was effective. Colin Kaepernick was fired, the message was distorted, and here we are today with the majority of Americans supporting a movement that they outright rejected. Yeah, how many people are out there protesting that? Like were against kneeling during the fucking national oh, anthem. Right. You know, a lot of people because they didn't understand what it meant. Megan McCain, we have to be very careful right now not to be swayed by trolls. You have to do your own research on the facts or listen to us. You have to. Or just listen to us. That's right. We are trolls in a different way, guys. Mm-hmm. Well, Julie's more like a goblin <laughs> and I'm more like a witch. Okay. <laughs> basically, we're like goblin troll, witch troll. It's basically the kind of trolls we are. But Julie's right. Defund the police just means divert and redistribute taxpayer money so that it can be used in a more streamlined and effective way. Okay? So in Minneapolis, the city council has vowed to restructure the entire department. And in compliance with the defund the police movement, the department is looking to divert $200 million of the overall $1.3 billion budget elsewhere. Same in L.A. Our shitbag useless mayor, Eric Garcetti... (laughs) promised the defund the police protesters that he's going to shift $150 million away from the $1.5 billion budget into alternate programs. Mm. Now, the cornerstone of the defund the police movement is that police departments in major cities are being called for domestic abuse, mental health addiction, and homeless situations. And there are more effective community leaders and groups to deal with each of these issues. Um, Like, we don't need five cops showing up because Brandy and I overdosed on my Vicodin prescription. Or because we got too drunk and are fighting about how to beat a Tomb Raider level. Okay? That's never happened. Or because we got Corona Bipolar and are living under a bridge now. You know, you understand what I'm saying? (laughs) A nice, comforting, well-paid social worker would be adequate and appropriate in all those scenarios. Why it is that I drive by and see five cops... I guess they're arresting a homeless person. I don't even know what they're doing with homeless people under when I see that. It's like, what are you even doing? Are you helping them find somewhere to live? Are you trying to get them to go to a shelter? I highly doubt it. And what about the amount of homeless people that are being assholes and being and being harassing or being annoying when we're trying to like shoot a commercial downtown or simply go buy liquor in a 7-Eleven late at night? And I don't see any cops there. It's like they're never there when you fucking need them. And not for nothing like we're not the best two people to be weighing in on this. Like we don't, we don't like love, we don't love the institution of cops. We just don't, we don't, we don't, we don't really respect like police forces probably like we should, or, you know, peace officers or whatever. But for me, they didn't care when my identity was stolen. They didn't care when somebody opened a bank account and my, or a phone line in my name, when my bag got stolen out of my car, I've nothing has ever been resolved or solved. Right. It's like, that's why I, I think that if it were, uh, 
a matter of when they when Kamala Harris talks about reimagining how policing works, reimagining how public safety works, reimagining it's like, well, when I imagine it, I imagine that the police are the muscle in most situations and not the first people to walk in the door. That's what I imagine. I imagine you have social workers, you have mental health professionals, you have doctors, you have whatever who are dealing with the who are the front line. That's the first responder. The second responder is the person there making sure that no one gets hurt. They're not dealing with the actual thing. They're yeah. only there to make sure that there is that and it everyone's should be one safe. person. Not like yeah, here when, when one baby's having a seizure, which is absolutely scary. And then the whole street is filled with 14 fire trucks. I'm like, why is there right. 14 fire trucks here? And how much did that even cost everyone? Right. And if police, I guess, work in duos or whatever, if they work in partnerships, so that's fine. Okay, so then you're two. But it's like, that's how I imagine it. That's how I imagine it. That's what I would propose. And then you deal with the violent shit. Then police are the number one on that scene. And by the way, also, the NFL should be fined, okay? Every owner, the entire NFL organization, the National Football League or whatever the fuck it's called, should be fined. And then every owner of every team should be fined. And every general manager of every team should also be fined. The way they fucking acted during that whole entire thing with Colin Kaepernick, with Black Lives Matter, he was fired and ostracized. Not only that, players were were forbidden from participating mm-hmm. because the fucking NFL gets paid by fucking whoever the department of defense in order to play the fucking national anthem and basically advertise patriotism. So they're like, Oh, we've been paid. So now they're forbidding people from their own freedom of speech. That's just freedom of speech. You know, I'll sit wherever the fuck I want. Yeah. And we, I'm not going to have, and this is from, from entertainment on like for the, the Dixie chicks got it bad. The like shut up and sing and all of that stuff. It's like, if you're in a public arena, and you want to show some sort of you want to take a stand against something that's your right to do that anyone who wants to be like the constitution the constitution but then turn around and be like you're not a patriot and you're not allowed to do that like you're a hypocrite yeah you're a hypocrite and in fact you sir mainly sir who are standing there with your gun and your fucking bible and you're telling me how to have an abortion or not you're the biggest hypocrite on the fucking planet telling someone they're not a patriot It's absurd. And the NFL, now the NFL has come out, meow, meow. So the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, released this, like, probably fucking Instagram video or some tragic garbage. Oh, we were wrong. Difficult time for our country, in particular, black people in our country. First, my condolences, families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and all the families who have endured police brutality. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. Okay. For not standing with football players? You better say my name, bitch. <laughs> you better say my name. I swear. I hope Colin Kaepernick fucking literally s- goes into a civil suit and sues the NFL. Mm. Like, I swear to God. I wanted to start my own small social media protest called Defund the NFL. <laughs> like, fuck you, yeah. NFL. How dare. And now he's saying, and he goes on to say how he marched with people and he cares and whatever. And it's like, 
why don't you take that money that you take from the government or whatever and like help those guys that get concussions and shit and fucking and then there was that so Drew Brees that came out and he had made a statement that was like yeah that's not the right place to do it but then he had to apologize too and it's like where's the right place where is the right place where's the wrong place where's the right place this whole idea of there's a right place to do to say have to say something and there's a wrong place is bullshit that needs to bullshit. go so i don't care if you're at a sport it's just like what you don't. oh we don't want politics in sports it's like this isn't about fucking democrats or republicans this is a fucking black guy who's saying like we're being fucking killed and i want to say something about it because i'm sitting here in a with millions of people watching it's the perfect platform actually right in fact there isn't a better platform than sports because men watch it more than anyone yeah so maybe they should take a little look-see and see what's going on so even though you're going to read that senator cory booker or our soon-to-be president joe biden have denounced the defund the police movement don't believe it they are all into the rerouting of funds away from police departments every fucking politician though right now is minding their own brand the election is in november and many of these people are up for re-election and the optics around defunding anything are dicey at best but one lady stands as the man among men okay never scared to stand up and speak her fucking truth is our good friend and mentor kamala harris i mean she's she's more like a sister to us at this point right ma'am i mean and we were the first people to ever float the idea of her becoming VT, VP with Biden. Ugh. And now that's about to happen. So we're definitely going to get like a Pulitzer for that move. <laughs> and so what happened, Mamia? What's going so on? So basically when this the day of the George Floyd's memorials, that day where all those, the, the big memorial was going on. And, um, you know, there's still the ma million protests, blah, blah, blah. Senate met to pass an anti-lynching bill, an anti-lynching bill, which has was introduced in 2018, which they all have voted for unanimously. And of course, in order for it to go forward, they need to fucking uh, Mitch McConnell and dare, you know, need, need we say. So Cory Booker and Rand Paul apparently have been working for several mo months on an amendment to the bill. And Rand Paul is holding up the vote to, pa to, to push it forward because he feels that the bill is too broad in its scope of what lynching means. So they're on the floor of the Senate. Rand Paul gives his reason as to why he, and he's very, he's like, I'm for this. I'm pro fucking criminal justice reform. I've done a million criminal justice reform things. I've been working with Cory Booker. Please don't misunderstand, blah, 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 with his libertarian bullshit. So then he finishes his, his his speech as to why he wants to stop putting an anti-lynching bill forward where every single person has voted for it he's the only one who hasn't the only one okay the the president or the speaker of the that group the speaker of the committee we're looking at you kentucky better vote oh, that motherfucker out kentucky. you got two oh you got two hemorrhoids as oh, your senators yeah. Yeah. and you need to cut the shit yes that's right so Kamala Harris objects to his life <laughs> and she now goes on to speak as to what her objection is, okay? The idea that we would not be taking the issue of lynching seriously is an insult. An insult to Senator Booker, to Senator Tim Scott and myself and all of the senators past and present who have understood this is part of the great stain of America's history to suggest 
that anything short of pulverizing someone so much that the casket would otherwise be closed except for the heroism and courage of Emmett Till's mother to suggest that lynching would only be a lynching if someone's heart was pulled out and produced and displayed to someone else is ridiculous. And on this day, the day of George Floyd's funeral, on this day, a day that should be a day of national mourning. Mr. President, in 2018, the Senate unanimously passed bipartisan anti-lynching legislation, which I proudly introduced with the only other black members of this body, Senator Cory Booker and Senator Tim Scott. It was a historic moment. It marked the first time in the history of our country that federal anti-lynching legislation had been passed by the United States Senate. It passed again by unanimous consent in 2019. Senator Paul is now trying to weaken a bill that was already passed. Oh my God. There's no reason for this. There's no reason for this. Senator Paul's amendment would place a greater burden on victims of lynching than is currently required under federal hate crimes laws. There is no reason for this. There is no reason other than cruel and deliberate obstruction on a day of mourning. Sit down, On Grandpa, this very day, idiot. at this very hour, there is a memorial service to honor the life of George Floyd, who was murdered on a sidewalk by a police officer with a knee on his neck. For eight minutes and 46 seconds, George Floyd plead for his life, called for his late mother, and said he could not breathe. The pain experienced not only by that man, that human being, and his family and his children, but the pain of the people of America witnessing what we have witnessed since the founding of this country, which is that the, the black lives have not been taken seriously as being fully human and deserving of dignity. And it should not require a maiming or torture in order for us to recognize a lynching when we see it and recognize it by federal law and call it what it is, which is that it is a crime that should be punishable with accountability and consequence. So it is remarkable and it is painful to be standing here right now, especially when people of all races are marching in the streets of America outraged by the hate and the violence and the murder that has been fueled by racism during the span of this country's life. And America is raw right now her wounds exposed, raw from the fact that in the history of our country, black people have been treated as less than human. I stood here with Senator Booker when we first proposed this lynching law. And we talked about the pain and, 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 and the history of the pain of this issue in America. And the fact is that the country is raw because America has never fully addressed 
the historic and systemic racism that has existed in our country. And our bill in its current form is an opportunity, it's an opportunity for this body to acknowledge the seriousness of this, to acknowledge that if someone places a noose over someone else's neck, why would you require that in addition their heart would be pulled out or their body pulverized to the point beyond recognition? Our bill is an opportunity to right a wrong and an opportunity for a reckoning in federal law. And we cannot pretend that lynchings are a thing of the past. Ahmed Arbery was a victim of a modern-day lynching. He was murdered on February 23, 2020, just three months ago. Today we learned that someone heard one of the men who killed Mr. Arbery use a racial slur after shooting him. He should be alive today, and his killers should be brought to justice. No longer should the crime of lynching go unpunished. No longer should victims and their families go without justice. And now it's time for another Quarantine Kiki. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Okay, we have a quick announcement for all the trigger-happy people out there ready to give us your notes. We recorded this interview you're about to hear two weeks ago before anything other than Corona had popped off. We happily and voluntarily shelved it for last week's George Floyd episode. And this week we tried for four days straight to get a more appropriate interview scheduled. Of course, we were ignored by everyone, which we expected. Although get excited because maybe the sexy future father of our sexy future test two babies Cornell Belcher did say he would check his schedule and our vaginas did explode. But for now, this is what we got. A pre-recorded pre-protest mid-quarantine kiki. Let's have a kiki. I want to have a kiki. Lock the doors. Let's have a kiki. Motherfucker. I'm going to let you have it. Let's have a kiki. I want to have a kiki. Die. Turn. Work. Let's have a kiki. We are going to serve. And work. And turn. And hunt, hunt, honey. This is the part of the show where we get to talk to a performer or an activist about a subject that's usually off limits, politics. But our guest today was the first woman to ever host the White House Correspondents' Dinner in 1992, and she's been holding weekly press conferences as French Donald Trump on her podcast. So we have a feeling that when it comes to politics, she doesn't give a shit what's off limits. She's a stand-up comedy legend with a hugely successful career spanning over 40 years, and I have to say... I first saw her doing stand-up on TV when I was eight years old, and I was absolutely obsessed with her. My mom, who is one of the 14 listeners of this podcast, is going to shit her pants when she hears this because we used to watch her together, and she loves her too. And I have to say, when I was a burgeoning stand-up comedian, she was one of the few women I could look to for inspiration. She stood out amongst the teased, huge, hairsprayed women pandering to be liked by men, by simply committing to be her own unique self with no apologies. And with that, she opened the door for all kinds of outlier comedians like myself. So we are super excited to welcome to our dumb gay podcast, Paula Poundstone. Hi, Hi Paula. Paula. Hey, you guys. 
I am so excited <laughs> to have contributed possibly to the incontinence of either one of your parents. <laughs> to, to, bo- to all four. To all of them. Wow. I mean, yeah. That I mean, is fantastic. I yeah. have to say, um, you contributed to my um, apparently lifelong obsession with stand-up comedians wearing ties. Girls. Because Julie... <laughs> Has worn when I met her, she was wearing a tie and she was doing stand up. And I was thinking, this must have come from an eight year old watching Paula Poundstone. I used to like quote this joke that you had, and I felt like such a nerd telling Julie the other day. And I don't even know for sure if I even have it right or if I've rewritten it all these years later. It was something like that you knocked over a Flintstone glass and your mom said, We can't have anything nice in this house. <laughs> Do you remember that? Well, it's close. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, I'm like I was like, did I make up the it Flintstone w- part? No, no, the Flintstone glass was accurate. It was oh, okay. It was my mother was the angriest person I've ever known. One time I knocked a Flintstone's glass off the counter and she said, Well damn it, we can't have nice things. So it was yeah, very, it was very close. Was very close. <laughs> oh you know, but but that happens with famous quotes, you know, they get altered over time and then you find out what the original quote was and you're like well sometimes you like you like it better <laughs> i'm a massive 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 fan we both are and it's just like yeah pretty crazy to talk to you and thank well, you so much honestly yeah. well that's very sweetie thank you it's not that hard you know i give out my phone number now <laughs> Thank God. Well, well, I do, well, because t- I don't want people to get lonely. I, I feel like, you know, one of the, you know, one of the, you know, cruel side effects of, you know, and there, and there are millions, literally millions, of the whole situation that we're in with COVID-19 right now, you, you know, is that we already were struggling with mental health issues in our mm-hmm. country, mm-hmm. and now... They've just, you know, exploded. And so I do. I give out my phone number. I tell people, you know, I, I don't always answer the phone. Um, <laughs> but if I can, and you're on the other end of it, by God, I will talk. And because uh, I don't want people to get, you know, lonely. And Oh, I know. And, our, and, our mental health issues oh, it, have it exploded. Yeah, they they really, truly, truly have. Yeah. I mean, wow. It's we crazy. both have developed <laughs> severe problems. <laughs> severe problems. Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, one of the things, like, the um, the gaming industry, the the video gaming industry, um, is using this as a Trojan horse, um, and the same thing with like I mean I have long been an advocate of getting kids off of computers, uh, particularly in the classroom, and uh, and now you know it's like oh look at what a great thing this is, but you know I'm finding because I'm doing a lot of stuff on this stupid screen now, too, because of the Zoom things and stuff like that. And just like so many things have gone online now. My eyes hurt a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah. and uh, one, of the, one of the results, particularly um, for kids of a lot of computer use, is that I, I forget the, the technical medical term for it, but it fucks your eyes up. But the, 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 the gaming companies are like, woo-hoo! Oh, yeah. There's a number of individuals that are making a shitload of money off of this oh, yeah. situation that we have. That's true. Yep. You know? I mean, because what else is there to do? Yep. You're stuck at home, so you play video games. There are books, by the way. I just want to. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> I've heard true. so many people say that. Like, even I, I watch the news hour on PBS. I've even heard people on, on PBS say, <laughs> like, "Well, you know, 
There's not enough content on television. You know, I've every, uh, many, many people, not every American, that's not fair, but many, many people have bookshelves full of books that they have never read, that they bought with the best of intentions or someone gave it to them mm-hmm. and they, uh, not, not touched, but people are like, I'm so bored. I have to video game. It's, I can play Candy Crush because I'm afraid of Moby Dick. I'm, That's not right. You're right. It's not right. I'm currently looking at my own bookshelf and going, motherfuckers are right. Yeah, why am, didn't we ever read I, the seven-day fat flush plan? <laughs> I don't know. Why exactly. Did, why didn't we read that? Why didn't we read Washington, a biography? <laughs> Precisely. You know what books are for now? They're for a backdrop during your Zoom call. Yeah. we have been set a place how many times do journalists go on or whatever and they have to each show whose library is bigger (laughs) and better than the next ones yeah exactly they have to make themselves look so so very well read i did a a a video the other day where um and i was looking around for a place with good lighting and an interesting background i'm like damn it i'm not standing in front of that fucking bookshelf you know and then i so instead i stood in front of my pantry I thought, you know, I the think- Fruit Loops, colorful. <laughs> uh, that, I think I watched that. Is that uh, the one where the cat was in the pantry? No, that's the one. That was my linen closet. Oh, that's, oh, right. You, oh, that's right. You're right. There that's was a can of beans in there. That's right. So that's why you got it confused. Right. Right. There was a that's can right. of beans in my linen closet. No, my dog, Mo. That's right. I trained my puppy to um, organize, clean and organize that's my right. linen closet. That's right. That's what it was. That's what it was. That's what it was. So do you feel like being in quarantine now, especially since you, um, you know, we've heard, definitely heard you say that you love performing live and you still tour and you still tour, of course. Um, so has this been just really hard for you? Yeah. Um, well, I have no income and that's been challenging. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't mean to suggest that my, mm. that that problem is any more important than that of so much of America right now that has the, the same problem, you, you, you know what I mean? It makes uh, me one of many. But um, but I, I, by the way, I'm not under quarantine. You're under quarantine, um, and in, and in fact, it's usually self quarantine, anyways. But if you've been exposed to the virus, you're supposed to stay at home for 14 days. It's not lockdown because we have doors that lock from the inside. <laughs> and so no one is locked down in America except for sadly people who are in prison. It is a stay at home order. And even that is loosely phrased because you can walk the dogs, you can go to the grocery store, and now now they're opening up more and more things. It's never I mean, did you guys were you exposed? Were you really under quarantine ever? No. We don't know. We don't know anyone who's had it. We don't know anyone that's had it. We don't think we've had it, though we don't know since there's not really that much testing. We like to say quarantine because it's more intense and interesting and makes us more victims. Right. Then more of a hero. And we're more heroes when we go outside to go grocery shopping. (laughs) We really enjoy. Oh, my God. Look at those. Look you know? at those two women. Yeah. They yes. have been through so much. So much. They are oh my heroes. God. Look heroes. At, do you see how they just have cloths tied around their feet? Look at that. Because <laughs> they lost their shoes in the quarantine. Oh, my God. Look at them. Full faces um, covered. Full faces covered. But yet, doing shopping. Oh, look, at give, give, look at how many bags. Look at how many bags. Look at how many bags they carry. 
Yeah. Is I mean, it me or is she wearing two turtlenecks? She is. Yeah. She's wearing two turtlenecks. Oh, my God. It's Bazooka Joe. She has spanks um, on her face. She has spanks on her own face. God, she's a oh she's an God. American treasure. She, she really, she really is. I feel so bad that I'm not a nurse. I know. Um, yeah. Well, so I mean, I've been going out in scrubs. Yeah. Do you think that's bad? No. I bad. think that's yeah. good. <laughs> Yeah, and I have like a giant syringe that I carry around and scrubs and then a little cotton ball. I don't know. Is that fraud? I don't think that's fraud. Oh, oh God. Well, tell us what what a day in your your, your shelter-in-place, your stay-at-home order, what is a day like for you? It's not shelter-in-place. Shelter-in-place is sadly what they call the thing where kids in schools, when you're training them what to do if there's an active shooter in their school, that would be shelter in place. Mm. And by the way, the generally speaking, the shooter themselves is in one of those classrooms where they're training. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. they, so they go, you guys are in the closet, right? Well, we were told to hide, right? Is that yeah. where you guys are? Yeah. It's, it, yeah. it turns that's out that point. it's not an effective, it's that's, actually not an effective technique at all. But they, I think that that information just surfaced, like from a study or something. The information that that is actually not a helpful technique just surfaced before before the lockdown, quarantine, stay-at-home order, uh, shelter-in-place happened. Before every last one of us. You know what I do a lot of? I keep thinking that, you know, I'm like, I keep thinking maybe, uh, not that I have it, um, uh, but maybe that I have or that I've had a really mild version. Yeah, Yeah, Um, that's what we feel too. I'm tired all the time. But I think that I always was. Um, so maybe I've always had it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm tired a lot and I, and I ache. But I ache because I've been doing these um, workout videos. You know what? Actually, my life on the road, and I was about half a week home and half a week uh, on the road. That's, that's been my schedule for many, many years now. And... Um, my life on the road is so sedentary <laughs> that when we got, you know, and I worked on the days that I was home, you know, I went to the gym and I had, you know, I did these grueling workouts, blah, blah, blah. Um, but on the road, you know, I sit in an airplane, I sit in a hotel bed, I sit backstage waiting to go on. Uh, it's a lot of sitting. I sit in a car being driven to a job. It's a tremendous amount of sitting. And then I eat out a vending machine. So I was... I was, you know, I, forget, I think I had the last day I worked was like March 7th, the day, the last day that I did a job uh, on the road. And um, and I've lost like 15 pounds. Wow. <laughs> just, oh, my God. Yeah, You're the only one who's lost weight. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's because of I don't have that second half of my week, <laughs> you know, with all that with all that sitting. I, ha- I hardly ever sit. uh at home. In fact, that was one of the things I used to say to my kids when I was angry, uh, when they were little. I go, "Do you ever see mom sitting in a chair?" No, you don't. <laughs> and their little mouths would be hanging open, thinking, "We don't give a shit if you sit in a chair or not." Uh, well, will you be going back? Like, are you already trying to arrange getting back on the road? You know, besides the income, let's say, which obviously we're all feeling the burn. 
do you miss traveling? Do you miss being in front of a live audience? Do you think that's going to come back in a way that's even at the, the normal? The audience is my, uh, is, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I think um, I'm probably going to get booked in Carnegie Hall um, and there'll just be one audience member and it'll be Dr. <laughs> Fauci. <laughs> and he'll just be looking at me with judgment. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You get out of here. Who's, you know, do you ever, do you ever feel that Dr. Burks is sending signals to people with her scarf? <laughs> I definitely wonder yeah. why she's always wearing a different version of it. It's like, like help color, me, help me. Right, or, or thing yeah. one color is like the papers are underneath the <laughs> yeah. blue folder. Yeah. Look under there or whatever. Yeah. Like she's telling someone something. Yeah. Yeah. Either that or she just has a background in real estate. Because... <laughs> Realtors have a tendency to wear scarves. Yeah, they do. I remember years ago, I mean, I rent this this house that I live in, but years ago when I bought a house, every day that the realtor would show up to take me look at houses, I, you know, I would, I would close my eyes and be surprised at what different scarf knots she had. Uh, but it was, it was different every day. Um, yes, I think that's a big part of real estate. You know, you have to get a license. And you have to um, do a scarf test. <laughs> well, since you mentioned Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci, do you want to talk some politics? I love politics. Are you... I, uh, I, I heard James Carville say the other day, somebody asked him about... He was interviewed, in fact, by Marlo Thomas and Phil Donahue, I believe. What? About, because they did a book um, about... Uh, celebrated marriages, you know, basically marriages of famous people that had lasted a long time. And, you know, one of the marriages that I think everyone is always very curious about is James Carville and... Uh, yeah, that lady. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that lady. Scary lady. <laughs> okay, I can't think of her name right now, but you know who I mean. Um, he was, he was uh, um, Trump's Mary, Mary campaign Madeline. manager. Mary Madeline. And, and Mary Madeline was Bush's campaign manager. And so right. I think people are always like, so he said in the interview that he did uh, on, the, on this topic of their marriage, he said, well, politics isn't all of who, who we are. And I'm, I'm misquoting now, but to, it was something to the effect of, you know, politics is only one part of, of who we are, and, and it's our work, he said. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it sounded like such a great answer at first when Marla Thomas talked about it. It sounded like a great answer. But I have since rethought that, because I think everything is politics. Mm-hmm. Everything. It enters into every part of your life. Um, you know, whether you, whether you're, whether you vote or don't vote, whether, you know, no matter what, it enters into, it affects every part of our lives. So I'm going to have top to bottom. When you hear people say, um, like what, when you say that it makes me think like when it makes me crazy when people go, you know, when you're on a date or when you're with your family, don't talk about religions, whatever, sex and politics. Don't ever talk about money. Oh, money. Religion, money and politics. And I always think, why wouldn't the first thing you talk about be politics since that's so such a huge part of who you are and what you think and what you believe and what you, what you are. I mean, am I crazy? No, I don't think so. Here's what I do at Thanksgiving. I bring four cards. One says politics, one says money, one says religion. (laughs) 
and I, and I forget what the other one says. Sex. And I, I go, well, it's sex? Okay. And I go right up to the oldest, most feeble person in the room, and I go, pick a card. Pick a card right now. Pick a card. You know, and it says politics, you know, and I just lay it on them, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good idea, actually. I'm going to do that. Totally. Yeah. I because think- otherwise, you don't know where to sit at the table. That's and so right. you got to... Yeah, you just got to... Do you like getting into it with people about politics, like if whether it's at a family yeah. event or with friends? Do you enjoy a debate? Do you enjoy getting into it like that? No. I, and I actually don't do that, generally speaking, because... Um, because... Yeah, I guess with with the handful of people I know that, that would... Like, by the way, I, I think that, that a Republican um, used to be, anyways, very different from a Trump person. I, I used to make a distinction. I mean, now they have, you know, now they've skewered themselves on this evil, evil man. But um, it's interesting that you say that about Republicans and Trump supporters. And I think a lot of people have that feeling as well. I mean, what do you think? What how would you just how would you describe that? Like there are Republicans, there are Republicans left. They haven't all turned to the dark side. But when you think of a Trump supporter, what what happened there? What what is it? I, we I, always... Oh, I can't figure it. I can't figure it out. It's it's the greatest mystery of our time. You know, um, I've I, for years I've said uh, electing Trump is to Americans what beaching themselves is to whales. <laughs> it is. They like have no scientists, idea how they got there. Yeah. Scientists <laughs> can't figure it out. The only difference is we don't have another species to shove us back into the water. Exactly. They can't get the yeah. back. So scientists cannot figure it out. Um, it's really impossible. And I have a friend who's a big... Uh, I have a friend who knows all these people in Washington. And I was talking to her about it one day. And she said, uh, I said, I, I want to find out what the hell happened to Lindsey Graham. Yeah. And she said, oh, I know. And we were uh, we were having lunch, and I, you know, I practically leaped across the table thinking that, you know, it was a, like a secret that she was going to whisper in my ear. She said, I know. And I go, really? And, and I thought she was going to tell me, you know, some big, you know, ruski secret. And uh, she said, um, they like to be in that position of power. They like to get tables at restaurants and have staff do things for them. That's what they like. Speaking of Trump, where did your inspiration for French Trump come from? For those of you who haven't listened to Paula Poundstone's um, podcast um, called Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, she also has a weekly press conference. There's a lot of people who haven't listened to it, by the way. A lot of people (laughs) who have not listened to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Well, don't worry. Oh you'll my have God. 14 more. You'll have 14 yeah. more. We, yeah, and- that's so exciting. I have your incontinent mother. Who, as you that's, right. that's right. Um, that's right. That's uh, right. That's right. Yeah, loosens her bowels yeah. in her pants, yeah, I believe. Yeah. Pam's going to shit her pants. Yeah. Yeah. She knows. Pam's going to shit her pants. Yeah, exactly what you <laughs> said. Hey, I can't believe you said that about your mother. Okay, it started out, uh, do, I do a weekly podcast with my partner, Adam Felber. Um, called uh, a show called Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. And one day, I just thought it would be really funny to do, like, hand puppets because it's an audio medium. It's a podcast, and we don't have, you know, we don't film it. It's just a podcast. And then one day, I just started doing French Trump. And the reason I do French Trump is because it's really fun to do a bogus French accent, <laughs> and I can't do a Trump impression. So 
it was just fun to have, you know, to, to, you know, Prince Trump, Adam Felbert, and uh, he's very, uh, he's often very upset with Biden. <laughs> the, the former Vice President Biden, who had in his dressment, talking into his Zoom call, French Trump presidential <laughs> press conference. <laughs> And it's, it's, that is only about 10 minutes, uh, 10 or 12 minutes. Ten. And the press asked, asked some questions. And, you know, today they wanted to know about, uh, today they wanted to know about Joe Scalbella. Oh, yeah. Why, yeah. why is yes. he bedeviling that widower with Joe Scalbella? <laughs> and he explained, uh, I can explain absolutely because <laughs> Joe Scalbella is on the list. And he's a murder, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, people should listen. It's very important. It's a good compendium to the regular Trump press conference because you really get a lot more information from French Trump. Did you? And it's going uh, to make a lot of parents go incontinent. <laughs> and that's... <laughs> There's no higher form of praise. That's right. There isn't. There isn't. Are, do you call yourself, do you identify as like a Democrat or Republican or independent or any of that? Does that shit matter to you? I'm a Democrat. I mean, I don't often, I'm not often called upon to. Sometimes when I was on stage, you know, I did this thing when Trump first got elected. I thought, well, you know, I do, I used to have a lot more Republicans in my crowd. And, uh, and, and and it was fine. It was just fine. I told my little jokes. People laughed. We we all left. We were happy. Um, and then, as Trump, you know, began his campaign and and this sort of, you know, ugly, awful stuff got stirred in. Um, I found that I don't know. It was especially bad, like right after he got elected. But even as it got up near the election, people seemed. There was something about it that was very sort of theatrical on the part of the audience, which is a handful of times, it didn't happen a lot, but a handful of times I had people sort of stand up and storm out. Now, if I don't like something that I attend, I might quietly slip out. Maybe. Mm. Probably not if I paid. Uh, probably, I would just sit there. But, um, you, you know, these people, I, there was something about it that felt like it was important. Like, I remember one night it was people that were, like, right down front. Well, I, I'll tell you one thing I am is transparent. I, I, I haven't changed my tune in, in 40 years. So I don't really understand why those people were down front to begin. But again, it was never like, let's pretend we're using the bathroom and then just not come back in. It had to be like this very deliberate sort of march out and then they would have to, you know, say how upset they were, whatever. So I, it kind of made me a little, um, a little gun shy, you know. So I started saying on stage in the beginning of my set, I would say, look, um, you know, uh, I, I, you know, there may be some, you know, Republicans or Trump supporters in the crowd. I want you to know in the first place, you are absolutely welcome here. And, uh, you know, when I talk about politics, it's not as a political analyst or an expert. It's just my opinion. And uh, it's a few minutes of the show. And, uh, you know, if you can put up with that, we have so much more in common um, that we'll enjoy laughing about. And I, I, I don't know. I did that for a while before I just started feeling like, you know what? 
Fuck you, no. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's, it's, it's not okay anymore yeah. Yeah. with me for people to support uh, stuff that's so awful. All the things, you know. I don't, you know, I don't yeah. need to list them because they're heinous. And and I and people who support that, I, 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 we we do have other things in common. But I'm not going to subvert, uh, you know, my feelings or pretend that I think it's okay to, you know, believe those things. And so, I don't. Um, and every now and then, even so, I remember uh, not that long before the shutdown, um, So I used to do a meet and greet um, after the show. Uh, you know, and, and uh, people would come up to me and they would sort of whisper that they were Republicans. And... Um, and that I feel differently. I, I was like, you know, I'm like, I would always say, you're absolutely welcome here. You, you know, don't, you don't have to whisper. Um, <laughs> but that, but that is different than nobody ever came up to me and went, I do support Trump. Never, <laughs> never. Yeah. Right. Um, first of all, I don't think Trump. I don't think Trump supporters whisper. Exactly. I mean, they lie to pollsters, <laughs> but I don't think they whisper. And I, you know, we're talking now. I mean, this is. In the beginning, I really thought, well, let's give the guy a chance. You know, I didn't like him in the election, but he is, after all, president. Let's see. Maybe. Right? Maybe. What do I know? Maybe. That's what I said. Um, but then there's, you know, Charlottesville and and just every, the kids, everything. I was like, no. Okay. He had a chance. And by the way, turns out it was even worse than I thought it was going to be. Oh, my God. So, so, I mean, uh, just think of like uh, all the cabinet and all the firings uh, and everything, the tweeting, things we've never oh could have God. imagined. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. No, no. Okay. Here's where the real debate comes in. This is where I have debated with friends. Is he an evil genius <laughs> or just a stupid fuck? No. Um, were you. Uh, a Hold on a minute. I'm shooting some bleach. Were you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, you know, I don't feel tired <laughs> <Yeah>. anymore. <laughs> were you... Well, he's right. Man, they wipes that shit out. <laughs> on Super Tuesday, were you Joe Biden all the way? Because we, we all, we're all in California here, so we all, we all shared the same sky on Super Tuesday, mm-hmm. and we didn't even know. Julie and I went to the Elizabeth Warren rally. No. Um, don't let that I'm color Elizabeth your Warren. answer. Oh, you were? Uh, no, I am Elizabeth Warren. Oh, yeah, my God. yeah, absolutely. Oh, we were Qualified. too. Intelligent, has plans, understands the inequities in a way that no one else has really voiced. They may voice it with sort of a Hallmark card thing, like, oh, there's so much unfairness. But not with a plan to address it. You know, I'm not like, you know, oh, no, we, America made yet another stupid, stupid, stupid mistake. Um, and by the way, I am now all in for Joe Biden. Absolutely. But I don't think he was the best of the Democratic candidates. But um, in the choice between Trump and Biden, there's, there's no, you know. Did you yeah. have a second to Elizabeth Warren? Um, yeah, Elizabeth Warren. I had Elizabeth Warren, and then I would have chosen Elizabeth Warren. If anything happened to her where she couldn't serve, right. I would have been behind um, having her body reanimated oh, okay. so that she could serve. I just think she's great. What? And, uh, I'm so I'm happy hoping to hear that, you say you know, that. She, she ends up in the cabinet you know, somewhere or vice president. I, I think she'd be a great vice president. And the vice president is, in any, is very important right now yeah. because... 
I mean, you we know. cried. Four I years is a long time. I was beside myself, and little did I know, like, fucking coronavirus was around the corner. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's just so that. crazy right. that, that on Super Tuesday, that was our biggest problem, mm-hmm. was our heartbreak over Elizabeth Warren. Well, it was heartbreaking. I mean, it's heartbreaking for a couple of reasons. I mean, it's heartbreaking because she's, you know, she's, you know, wasn't the nominee, but it's also heartbreaking because, you know, we live in a country full of people, many of whom wouldn't elect a, a woman because I do believe that that's the, that that's the problem, mm-hmm. you know, um, and yeah. that is heartbreaking after all this time. Like, really? And I got really you know. disappointed on on the View. I don't know if you're familiar, but Joy Behar, Julie and I like really have always loved Joy Behar, and we still do. But the morning after Super Tuesday, I was just completely just. We had campaigned for just went went out of our way, quite frankly, during a <laughs> pandemic to really make it happen. And I was pissed off, and it felt you know that everything was unfair. And and Joy Behar said, "I I'm so mad that America." is too sexist for me to vote for Elizabeth Warren. Right. And it was like, well, you're the sexist one. If you can't as a woman, just take, or as an individual, just you take the risk, you vote for who you want, regardless of what everyone else is going to do. And it just was like, yeah, even Germany. You know has what? A woman. Up on, here's what I'm on. And a really good woman, by the way. And, and uh, New Zealand. And yeah. Um, yeah um, you know what I'm hung up on that you're watching the view. <laughs> I, know. I know that's the first problem you and we've what? been watching it a you lot a, judge a, it judge it if you problem. want listen judge it if you want but that hour of the day it's covid free it's corona light it's like megan mccain o'clock yeah okay? like that bitch okay here's the thing do you not have any fucking books on that show i told you i have washington a biography you waiting to be read i have um I have like a collection of Garfield comic strips that belong to my son. I I would read that before I would watch The View. I I heard a podcast the other day that that I, I, you know, I hate to plug any podcast other than my own. And ours. Um, So we'll edit this out, but go ahead. And and yours, yeah. I listened to one called Trump Incorporated that is fantastic. It's made by ProPublica and... And then there's another one that I listened to called All the President's Lawyers. And that's two podcasts, Paula. Two. Okay. But here, okay, here's the thing. It's going to be both of them. Beep. In between these, these, you should read a book. But um, then the other one that I just recently got turned on to, and I forget the name of it. A third one! But you you can just Google it. We are going to read a book. Um, we're going to listen to it, and it's your book. Mm-hmm. Julie already played us the first chapter, and we were, or I don't know if it was the first chapter or a mm-hmm. sample chapter, because mm-hmm. it did say, dedication, thank you, Joanne, or something Robin. like, oh, thank, thank you, you Robin. Robin. Yep. Your book is your, I know you, yeah. I think you have two, but the book about happiness, I can tell mm-hmm. you on, I can look yes, up at Julie's. totally unscientific study of the search for human happiness. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's oddly appropriate to where we are now, although there's a whole chapter on the hugging, and I would say you might want to put that off for a little while. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at Julie's I mean, bookshelf. you can read it. We have a book called The Happiness Trap. Yep. Haven't read it. We like to read books about how to get happy, mm-hmm. or at least pretend we're going to read them, and, and we were... Really impressed. Julie listened to it and then was like, you got to hear this. It's like really good. Yeah, I loved it. I, well, I, that's nice to hear. Yeah, I really, I, I think like um, 
I li- just liked how you were you were really honestly and earnestly, at least from from and from how you read it, were like, you know, what is happiness? How do we get it? How come people are hoarding it? If what's the secret? We no, all- these were serious. It, it's a series of experiments doing things that I or other people thought would make me happy, and uh, they were they were. I did the experiments quite quite seriously. Yeah, uh, and uh, and I learned a lot actually, um, and I shared it with the reader. Um, <laughs> you know, the thing about books is there's nowhere you lie to yourself more than in a bookstore. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Which uh, is yeah. why I have That's Washington why we, don't, that's why we don't read them, right? Exactly. Well, what do? What right. was the that's biggest? Why we thing? All have, Let, just yeah. for, I know you don't want to give away any part of the book, but let's for but quickly for you for writing it, doing it, researching it, living it. What do you think was the? What was your biggest surprise? for your own self, even in doing that book that you took away from finding or not finding happiness? Well, I think my biggest disappointment was that exercising really does help with your emotional well-being. <laughs> and oh, man. I took that on because I was hoping to disprove it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, it turns out it really, and you is, do feel better. Is writing you... a book all it's cracked up to be? Was that really rewarding? Well, thank you so much for doing our stupid podcast. Yeah. We really appreciate that it. That was fun. That, that was, was so it much was fun. so nice talking with you. Um, you know, in that I in that I do nobody listens to Power Poundstone. It's so exciting to me to be on a podcast where people listen. So <laughs> 14, well, 14, 14 people in my incontinent mother, Pam. Wow. Wow! Yeah, well, tell, tell tell them where they can find you. My mom will join social media just to have you send her a tweet, and then she'll shit her pants. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have social media yeah. you want to tell Pam about and our fourteen listeners? Oh, what am I on? No, I'm on Goofy Twitter. You know, what's I'm your handle? Twitter. What's your handle at? I think it's just Paul Poundstone. Okay. I think so. Paul Poundstone, and then you know I'm on some Facebook thing so that Vladimir can keep track of me. And then, um, you know, <laughs> exactly. and then uh, my website is Paula at PaulaPoundstone.com, I think. I don't know. Just, it's not hard to find. Google just it. Google um, Paula and, Poundstone, and, you guys. And you know what? And if you go on my website, all, everything, you know, my videos are there and my podcast. Uh, you can go on the podcast right from the website. I think it's just PaulaPoundstone.com. And, uh, and the, you know, my the little store where, where I sell... Um, Poundstone Pussy Pearls, which are cat toys, um, and, uh, you know, my books, etc., etc. It's all right there. Every Everything is there except for my, you know, second kidney. And your phone number, but you're giving it out, so <laughs> send her emails, guys. I'm giving Maybe out my phone number. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I give out my phone number um, because I don't want people to be lonely. So, um, yeah, so I am not, not only am I easily reached, Jesus, it's hard to get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, thank you so, so much. I'm going to go sniff litter boxes, guys. So uh, uh, I'll talk to you later. It was so much fun. Thank you. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you. Now it's time for So There's That. All right, so this is the part of the show where Julie has to find a So There's That moment that's happening because of or in spite of the giant zombie Mad Max nightmare that we are all living in right now. 
She's always hated doing it, but it goes without saying that it's been beyond hard for her in COVID-20. But this past week was one giant roller coaster vacillating wildly between incredible strength and hope in one moment to incredible fear and despair in the next moment. So maybe it's this exact moment in history that's the so there's that. Maybe this moment in history is the so there's that for every fucking injustice that every fucking person of color, every fucking woman, every fucking poor person and every fucking vulnerable child has ever suffered at the hands of someone more powerful. Maybe this moment in history is the so there's that for Trump's entire presidency. I certainly can't think of a better one. So is this the week we retire the segment? This is it. You did it. So there's that. That's it. That is it. Couldn't have said it any better than myself. That's it. That's it. Well, I'll tell you what. I have been toying with an offshoot of So There's That, which is going to be focusing on the actual people who are and what they're actually doing. It'll be called like, So There's This Guy or whatever. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, what do you got? Now, in the wake of the protests and the public murders, the abuse, the double standards, the police brutality, white men with guns, men drunk on power, Trump blowing up protesters so he could stand in front of a church he's never heard of, holding a book he pretends is his second favorite. And please, for anyone who wants to pretend to be outraged by the fact that he used religion. (gasps) Oh, no. In any way, like it's, oh, how he held the Bible. He's never held one. He's using religion to scapegoat anything. Save it. Religion has been using all of us for thousands of years, and I'm not here for it. And the church is the biggest criminal on the face of the planet. Go molest some more kids. Go cover it up. Go mission to more poor countries and ruin people's cultures. Go have more crusades. Go have another inquisition. Don't let gay people live. Blame everything on the Jews. Keep people in fear. I don't care. He could take that book and shove it up his ass and say Jesus is inside him. It's not worse or better than what anyone else has fucking done with it. Now, what I do care about is that that bloated sewer of a walking hot pocket tear gassed an entire block of people because his teeny tiny dick couldn't handle the truth and also needed to assert his dominance over people as he knows his days are numbered and we all hate his stupid fucking guts. Well, ready to never be able to get a reservation anywhere. (laughs) I mean, anyway. As all this is going on and the message, the message, and I mean the real message is being lifted higher and higher and higher. And there are some hopeful listening going on. And at the epicenter of the George Floyd murder, there's also some literal, actual and tangible change afoot. The four officers, as we said, are all charged. The main one needs to cough up a million point five in bail or he can sit his dead ass in jail. And let's be honest, dead man walking. I'm not sorry about it. In addition, we discussed it earlier, the whole idea of defunding the police, and hopefully we've deconstructed it and explained it, at least from our understanding, on what that terrible branding means. Well, I was really happy to see the Minneapolis City Council has sat on up and took notice, and the dam has finally been broken. So it would seem, anyway. And I'm just going to have faith that it's going to turn into real change. On Sunday afternoon, people were rallying in a park in Minneapolis and nine out of 13 city council members showed up. They got on stage and said, guess what? We're going to work to defund the damn police. 
And by defund, what they mean is they're committing their time and effort to redistributing the way money is spent in their communities. And yes, they will reduce some of the money that go into the police department, but they're also going to work to try and figure out where that money should go and reimagine how public safety and policing will work in the immediate present and future. Now, unfortunately, this idea of defunding is still a little tricky. And like we said, it's an awful choice of words. And it's sad that on the same week, the mayor of Minneapolis, who was a civil rights lawyer, got his ass handed to him as a protester asked him in front of everyone at the rally if he would support defunding the police and he was like no we're not going to defund the police now i don't think he really understood exactly but when i tell you they shamed him the mob was not having it and you'd think it was training day and he'd been tormenting the neighborhood for 20 years now hopefully he will go on track quickly and people can be a little more forgiving after he figures out how to word and do and whatever. Right, what it all means. What it all means. Because a civil rights lawyer is obviously on your side. With that said, Minneapolis isn't the only city committed to this kind of change. We heard future President Kamala Harris discuss the bill that she's fronting that demands sweeping criminal justice reforms. And other cities too. New York, Seattle, Sacramento, New Jersey have all made public statements on rerouting money and rethinking policing. This is such a good step forward, and it really should give us hope. I said last week I wanted to see something specific in some direction, and here it is. These protests, including the looting and the disgusting violence, unfortunately, all were a part of speaking loudly to officials and people in power that the system is skewed to the rich and privileged, and it's time for that shit to change. And from what I can see, it's about to. So there's that. for this episode of dumb gay pandemic politics thank you guys for listening we love you all so much and we are so grateful for all 14 of you especially now please consider joining our patreon podcast if you haven't yet it's one dollar for one podcast a week and two dollars for two podcasts a week they're both an hour and lately they've been a hot fucking mess because we are corona crazy and constantly self-medicating but hey there's no politics no ads no trump no structure no stress about the world falling apart and best of all no pressure to join the patreon and if nothing else you'll be distracted from your own life thinking about how annoying and insufferable and tone deaf we are (laughs) that's right last week we spent an hour talking about cereal and then in the second podcast we spent an hour talking shit about leah michelle this week what do you have to look forward to we're going to talk about famous alien abductions And then we're going to have an eating competition where Brandy and I each try and eat an entire box of cocoa pebbles in one sitting. So if that type of meaningless content appeals to you, then (laughs) head on over to www.patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics to sign on up. And as always, it's been real and it's been fun. But mostly it's been gay and it's been dumb. And pre-protest Paula Poundstone. And go go find Paula Poundstone and have some laughs. (laughs) She's with us too. How'd you do, I? See, you've met my faithful handyman. He's just a little broad dime, because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look. 
Don't judge a book by its cover I'm not much of a man by the light of day But by night I'm one hell of a lover I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania Let me show you a rhyme and maybe play you a sign. You look like you're both pretty groovy. Or if you want something visual that's not too abysmal, we could take in an old Steve Reeves movie. I'm glad we caught you at home. Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. Well, you got caught with a flat wheel. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, it'll all seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania <laughs> Why don't you stay for the night? Right. Or maybe a bite right. I could show you my favorite obsession I've been making a man With blonde hair and a tan And he's good for relieving my tension I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania So, come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. But maybe the rain is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. <laughs> But not the symptom. <laughs> <laughs> 